Welcome to the Piazza Delivery Boys podcast. Come inside and grab a seat. Hello? Hello? Can you What's hear up, me? Man? Yes, I can. Oh, nice. Nice, nice. All right, for those of you who are hating because you don't like that portion of our introduction, we're doing it on purpose. All right? All right. Yeah, it's not like, you know, we just hopped on and started talking and we're just doing a mic check mid-session. Uh, you know, that's, not, that's, not, that's exactly not what we're doing. You know? That would not be professional. Exactly. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to the off-season version of the Piazza Delivery Boys. Yeah. World Series champs. Off-season mess. Any news you got? You'll hear it from right here from us first, or at least you know we'll try to. Yeah, Austin, how's the? How are you doing? Doing well. I'm a little sad because I got my shirts, the championship shirts that I bought, but my hat, my championship hat is delayed till at least end of the year. Might come beginning of January. So yeah, mine's too. <laughs> yeah, a little my sad, sh- but my shirt came though. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, uh, we're not going to keep talking about this kind of stuff. But the reason why this is a very special episode is this is a new segment that uh, Austin and I started. Um, it's an idea that he proposed over a little, you know, small debate that we have. And the idea is uh, every week or for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about who we feel is part of the all-decade team for the Dodgers going through each decade uh, one by one going through each position. So that's three outfielders, all the infield and three starting pitchers and three relieving pitchers. And we're going to be going through that until, until we feel like we don't know enough. <laughs> so I can confidently say we can do this for at least up two until weeks. the eighties. <laughs> yeah. For two weeks. <laughs> At least the eighties, the time that we've been alive. Yeah. Uh, that being said, though, we also plan on trying to invite some guests to, you know, put their insight, especially those who are older than us, so you know, so we can get some of their first-person, first-hand experience. So yeah, keep a lookout for that. But for today, because of the new, because of our recent championship, we're going to be looking at the all-decade team from 2010 to 2020. But the only rule is, is that we can't put Mookie on this list <laughs> because, you know. Shortened season now. Yeah, shortened season, small sample size. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. So we're going to be starting with the infield. Uh, so infield and then outfield and then into pitching. So we'll start from infield first. For a catcher, our all-decade catcher is unfortunately Yasmani Grandal. Very uh, Yasmani. <laughs> Yasmani, even though we give him a lot of crap for being one of the worst defensive catchers in the league, which he is, let's be honest. He is also one of the strongest and best hitters among catchers, especially in his uh, 2016 season where he led catchers with 27 home runs. Um, had a nice uh, slugging percentage of 477. And 
put up better numbers than he did his, in 2015, even though 2015 was his all-star season. Because he kind of yep. in 2015 he slowed down in the second half. But yeah, Yasmani now with uh, the Chicago White Sox. But while he was on the Dodgers, you know, we got to remember that he was one of the best catchers in the league, hitting wise. Yeah, so I think one thing important to note about Yasmani is if people are scratching their heads as to why it's him, you just got to look at all the other catchers that we've had. Catching in general in baseball, I feel like, is not a very deep position. Um, and the fact that he put up the numbers that he did makes it a clear choice that he was our best catcher of the decade. Otherwise, you'd be choosing between the small sample size of Will Smith, Austin Barnes, and A.J. Ellis, who was a good catcher, but not a great offensive player. And I think one thing to note about Yasmani is that in 2015, he was an all-star, tailed off, but 2016 was actually his better season statistically. And even though he didn't make the all-star team like he did the previous year, he actually got some MVP votes, which is pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, considering he's only really good on one side of the plate. So one of the numbers that he puts up, uh, he got on base. His on-base percentage was 353. Slugging was 403. No, 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 that's his previous season. His on-base yeah, percentage was 339. Slugging was 477. OPS 816. And he hit four... 72 RBIs, 27 home runs, and he was a switch hitter. So he was productive as well as versatile. But I, I think he's probably my least favorite Dodger on this list, to be honest. Oh, no, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, on top of that, too, like, even though that was the year that, you know, he was – or, sorry, not that year, but, you know, like his – when you think of Yasmani, all you think about is his defense. You know, like his, even though his bat was really, it was good and legal compared to the league, it was really good. Um, he wasn't, it wasn't enough to excuse his bad defense. He wasn't Mike Piazza, right? Because Mike Piazza was a terrible catcher, but one of the all time greats in hitting. So that's why, like, if you remember back in 2018, where Yasmani, like, he, like he couldn't hit, he couldn't hit to save his life in the postseason, right? And he couldn't defense, he couldn't play defense, which is why Roberts went for Austin Barnes, even though Barnes didn't play that almost that whole season. Yep. Because I, he I think that's an interesting point that you bring up actually. That because you know hitters can get streaky, and you can be good offensively or not. But the nature of baseball is there's going to be stretches where you can't hit, but defense is where you can be consistent. And he was consistent, just consistently bad. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's off to a really rough start with this list. But I think we can agree that the rest of the list, everyone on here, we remember quite fondly. Um, so we'll jump. So that's all we're going to say for uh, Yasnani, who's, you know, cheap, uh, current White Sox. Hopefully, you know, his career goes okay. For, for sure. Um, <laughs> Jump to first base now. Um, a lot of people, a lot of you guys would think that we put Cody Bellinger for first base, but 
uh, Cody's time at first base was pretty okay. And it wasn't until he switched to outfield that he started popping off. So for first base, we actually have Adrian Gonzalez, who is retired. Um, but during his tenure with the Dodgers, uh, especially and the, the one we're going to look at is a 2014 split. Uh, dude, Yaz, dude, he was, not Yasmani, <laughs> Adrian Gonzalez was just like the model of consistency for the Dodgers, especially in the middle of the lineup. Um, he was a power hitter, but on, not only being a power hitter, um, he, led the, he led all of MLB in RBIs. And, you know, it, it always felt like when I was watching during that time that, he was he had like that clutch gene, you know. He, he got like the, the hits when he needed it, especially for the team. And you know his defense, we're like his defense was all right. And do you remember all the memes about Adrian Gonzalez, where people thought he was fat and slow because he didn't yep. look like he was trying to run to first base. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but then, like, didn't he like? Didn't he like challenge a fan to run against? Yeah. Him? So there was a fan who messed around with Adrian Gonzalez and poked fun at his speed and his weight. He's like, all right, then let's do a sprint. I don't know if it was from first to second or I'm pretty sure it was like that similar distance. And then they did a sprinting contest and he smoked him. So yeah, even though he is slower compared to the average MLB player, these guys are no joke. But, um, but yeah, so that happened. And actually, the best season that Adrian Gonzalez had was the 2014 season, I believe. And that's when he was seventh in MVP voting. He got a gold glove, and he also got the Silver Slugger Award for first baseman. So, and then on top of that, he had his career best in sacrifice fly. So even if he doesn't get a hit per se, he makes enough contact to get a run when they need it. And he had 116 total RBIs that season, which led the MLB. Anything yeah. you want to add there, Josh? Uh, I miss it. I miss that that team, to be honest. Even though that team kind of sucked, the 2014 Dodgers. Um, like I don't know. I miss all. I miss all those guys. And it kind of sucks that Gonzalez is out of the league because he's old. But it was also because Gonzalez started getting older and he started getting injured that Bellinger was able to be pulled up from the minors and yeah. had his breakout season. So, yeah. you know, you got to – in order for, you know, someone to to rise, someone's got to fall. And it kind of sucks that it was Gonzalez, but the memories that we have of Gonzalez are very good, very nice. Yeah, and he was also a fan favorite because he's Mexican-American. Dude, his – um, God, what was his, – his walk-up song was – it was, it was like the Mexican song. hat dance. Yeah, dude, I love that song. It's on my Spotify. I listen to it sometimes. <laughs> it's lit. Yep. Well, that's it for first base. And for second base, um, yeah, I don't think there was much contest in this one either. But it's steroid user D. Gordon. Did he change his name recently? Strange Gordon? I have no idea. He did change his name. Um, so his, uh, his mother passed away. And he's, his Strange was his mother's maiden name, I believe. I see. So it's, yeah. 
he's honoring his mother. So his name is now D. Strange Gordon, but to simplify it and for to remember, we're gonna call him D. Gordon. Yep. But that's not as a disrespect to his mother, it's just for convenience sake. I see. Do you remember when Russell Martin also changed his name to Russell J. Martin? Nope. For the same reason? Okay. Well, he did for like a couple seasons. But anyways, dude, uh, D. Gordon, man. Yeah, D. Gordon. Uh, I always, I mean, he was fast. Like he was lean, right? But I think the crazy thing about him was he did hit for average in his best season. He hit 289. He did strike out a lot. He struck out three times as much as he did walks. But when he did get on base, he would steal so many bases. Do you know how many bases he stole in 2014? I know it led the league. He stole 64. Is that which is or crazy. Is that Ricky Henderson on that base pack? <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Um, 34 RBIs. He had how many? Did he hit any home runs? Yeah, he hit two home runs. Um, but hitting home runs isn't his thing, so. Okay yeah, but this was an all-star season for him, and he got 25th in MVP voting. He did even better the season after when he signed with the Marlins, but this is his best year on the Dodgers. And I don't think at second base, that was second base is one of those positions where we had, we couldn't really figure it out. Um, it was supposed to be Kike's for a couple years. It was supposed to be Gavin Lux's to take this year, but it was one of those positions where we kept filling with either journeymen or utility men like Chris Taylor and Max Muncie and whatnot. So um, in terms of an extended stay, even if we do tenure or peak season, I think D Gordon is a pretty clear choice for this one. Yeah, I agree. D Gordon, like this was the last time, like you said, that the Dodgers had a solidified second baseman. Um, until we had Logan Forsythe for like two seasons, but Forsythe so does not bad. compare to. D he Gordon. was so bad. Yeah, that does not. Uh, postseason Logan Forsythe, another story. But regular season Logan Forsythe is bad. Yeah. So oh, another thing to note is uh, D. Gordon hit 12 triples that season, which led the league, I believe. Oh. Yeah. So I, I remember back in 2013 um, when D. Gordon first came to – or first, like – or before 2014, D. Gordon's biggest problem was hitting, getting on base, right? Because like other fast guys like Billy Hamilton or – I'm not going to say Tim LaCastro. He's a different story. What about Juan Pierre? Juan Pierre, he can hit. He hit okay. But the, the, the plight of these fast guys is that they can't get on base because they can't hit and they can't walk. Um, so the thing with Z Gordon was that his, his bat improved so much from when he started off to 2014. And, we can, and probably it was because he took steroids. But Definitely because he took yeah. steroids. His numbers jumped like a crazy amount from 2012 to 2014. Yeah. So, like, sure, he was an all-star. And you know what? I'll even say, like, it's a good thing that we got rid of him because of the whole steroid thing. But the package that we got back was hecka good, too. We got Kike and, you know, we get Josh Fields from that trade? I don't know. No, but, Josh Fields we got for Jordan Alvarez. Oh, Los yeah, Astros. that's one of the worst trades of the decade. But um, before we, in hind, like hindsight, we think of he's, him as a tra- traitor, traitor, cheater, but 
in the time we were like, oh man, we traded like D Gordon, like that actually kind of hurt, you know, a bit. Yeah, like, because he was such a nice personality. Like he was very likable, and yeah, he he's he was like one of those guys where because he's been improving steadily, it's like you didn't want to give up on him, and you just wanted to see where his potential would go. But yeah. I think what the type of money that he ended up wanting was not something we could afford because of the other players on our payroll, and so we just let him go. Oh, for oh, you're you're gonna like this. The trade that we did for uh for Gordon, we got Austin Barnes too. Oh yeah, my guy. So, good trade. Good trade. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Moving on. To Dude, third no contest. Base. Come on. Third base. No contest. Are you sure it's not Edwin Rios? Come on, Edwin Rios when he forget <laughs> we only have like all right, all right, seven right, at right, best right. this season. It's the it's the man, Justin Turner. It's Ginger Jesus. <laughs> all right, you want to take this one, Josh? Yeah, so specifically, we're going to look at Turner's 2017 season, the only season he was an all-star, which, by the way, is a disgrace, all right? Justin Turner is consistently one of the, like, what, like a really good hitter. He might not have the name for it, but he's clutch to the max. Consistent, great hitting, great on-base percentage every season. Always, Almost always in the 400s. So... But his 2017 season was crazy because he got off to a super hot start. He, there, at one point, he was bordering between 300 and 400 for his batting average. Like, it was crazy that he wasn't included into the All-Star game. He had to be – he was added because of the fan votes, yeah. if you remember. So, I do. And yeah. how is an, a person who gets eighth in MVP voting not an All-Star? Yeah. Like, that's just not right. But that season was that was great. I don't want to think of the 2017 season, but for for Justin Turner, like he was healthy for almost the whole season, right? Hit well above average. He hit 322, which is one of the highest marks of of that of his career, not counting his 2014 season. Uh, had the highest OPS of his entire career that year, and dude, every season. He always racks doubles. I swear that was the season where I remember. I remember Justin Turner had the 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 moniker of hitting doubles. Yeah, and it's because he's been hitting doubles so consistently when he was on the Dodgers. When in twenty fourteen he hit twenty one, so on the Mets in twenty thirteen he hit only thirteen, but he also played less games. But in twenty fourteen he hit twenty one. Twenty fifteen he hit twenty six. Twenty sixteen he hit thirty four. And then 2017, 32, 2018, hit 31, 2019, 24. So it's like mid 20s to mid 30s, but at his peak was definitely low to mid 30s. Yeah. And Turner isn't a power hitter, he's pure contact, but he pulls the ball so well. Yeah. Great eye. Like, I think he, when you think about our lineup at that time, especially like 2017, 2018, him and Seeger were the ones that were mainly hitting for contact. Everyone else was just, I don't know, swinging for the fences or something. And especially in the playoffs, when we needed a hit, no one could be count, counted on as much as Justin Turner. Right. And that, that was the season where he got a um, whole MVP for the, post, for the postseason. Which, by the way, that season, um, Justin Turner placed third in 
OPS, I believe, in a postseason, in one postseason. Uh, he was third right behind Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, which is great company to be in. Yeah. One so. of them has chocolate named after them. Oh, yeah. I love Lou Gehrig's uh, chocolate. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't like Babe Ruth. But, yeah, the crazy thing about Turner, too, is not only as a player, but I think worthy to note is how involved he is in the community. And, you know, he and his wife, they do a lot for the Los Angeles community. And so he's not just someone who plays on the field and does things well on there, but he consistently wants to give back to the people of L.A. And even when you hear him talk about bringing a championship for the Dodgers, it's more than just about the team, but it's always about the city for him. And so he's just a great representative for the team. Um, yeah. And there's, yeah. a, there's a day in L.A. named after him, Justin Turner Day. When's that? I never heard of that. Uh, I don't know the day, but I remember there was a – I watched a uh, back, back, back something Dodgers. Backyard Dodgers? No. Backstage Dodgers. And it was Justin Turner – Giving a giving a day by Mayor Garcetti, right? So yeah, there's a Justin Turner day in LA. I see. Yeah, and then the last January, thing I want to yeah yeah it's go January ahead. January twenty second. Gotcha. The last thing I want to say about Justin Turner is, man, he is a testament of what the Dodgers player development team does because nobody wanted him once he got waived by the Mets, and look at what he is now. Mm-hmm. Complete stud. Also, happy birthday, Justin Turner. It's your birthday today. Is it? Yeah, November 23rd. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, dude. All right. Moving on. Shortstop. No question. Gavin Lux. No doubt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just trolling on this podcast. Yeah, this stop. season? Come on, man. Yeah, so all right, all right. Who is it, Josh? Who is it? Dude, it's Corey Seager. Come on, the World Series MVP, NLCS MVP. Dude, this guy was insane this season. But before that, dude, he was before his Tommy Johns. Dude, he was so good. Like I think we forget how good Corey Seager was before Tommy Johns. Tell me, tell me about his best season, Josh. Tell me about his best season. Wasn't he a rookie? His rookie season where, yeah, dude, his rookie season was something else. So um, tell me about it. Uh, for a shortstop, he had 26 home runs, which is ridiculous. Like, I don't think that might have been the most by a Dodger shortstop. Because I think the other one would be, I don't know, for call. But we'll talk about that later when we get there. But, dude... As a shortstop, he had power, which is unheard of. He got on base consistently, had over 500 slugging percentage, and like we, and he had 40 doubles, dude. Double like, machine. A double machine. Like if he didn't get injured in 2018 for Tommy Johns, dude, he he's he puts up 30 to 40 doubles a season easily. With that swing of his. And like we say this, we said this about Turner too, and I think it's true about Corey. Is, dude, Corey isn't a, a power hitter. 
But I think if you watched only this season, you'll you'll think we're a liar because he raked this season. Yeah. But before that, all he did was shorten swing, get the ball in the sweet spot, and hit it into the gap. That's all he did. Simple, but it's he, it was very effective. He had a great eye, and that was the season where he just slammed first hit fastballs, first pitch fastballs. So yeah. Yeah, Corey during his rookie rookie campaign was a monster. Yep, during his rookie season, he got an all-star, third in MVP voting. That's crazy as a rookie. One rookie of the year, one silver slugger. And ever since then, the year after, he repeated it kind of. He hit, he was an all-star, 17th in MVP voting, silver slugger. And then after that, he got his surgeries and injuries. But the crazy thing is I was worried that, you know, something would be different with his mechanics or something when he repaired his hip and his elbow. But this year, man, in – so last year, this is how crazy he is, okay? Last year, he did hit 44 doubles. I think that led the league, maybe for shortstops at least. But he hit – in 134 games, he hit 19 homers. This year, in 52 regular season games, he hit 15 homers. So, yeah, I I don't know I if he would have like kept up that like pace. Every other game. Yeah, I don't know if he would have kept up that pace, but man, like my biggest fear was what would be with his power once he gets those surgeries. But looks like those questions are answered, man. Future is bright. Future is bright. There, I have, dude, I have to look into like what change. Oh, we're still talking about twenty. <laughs> we keep diverting because we talk about this season. But the last thing about this season is something must have changed, because like well, he's hitting the ball so well. He had the highest, one of the highest exit velocities of any hitter in the league this season. So, like something had to have changed in his swing and his approach. But yeah, twenty sixteen. You know, twenty sixteen was another great year for Corey. I think that was. Bef- that was that was when it was like people were talking like, oh, this is Corey's team, you know, because he was the up and comer. He was the Bellinger of that time, you know. Well, he's, Even though Corey- he's a Seager right now, dude. Yeah, he's a Seager right bro. Now. Like this year is just a reminder, like 2016, that dude, this this is Corey's team too. You know, they share they share their team. Nah, it's Corey's team. <laughs> we all know who's the real sheriff in town. Just kidding. I'm sorry. If if you're watching Bellinger, I did not mean that. If you're watching Bellinger, stop changing your swing. <laughs> why don't you why aren't you satisfied with your swing? All right, let's move on. Let's move on. You want to introduce so we finished catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop. So Grandall, Adrian Gonzalez, Dee Gordon, Justin Turner, Corey Seeger. So now we're gonna move out to listing three outfielders. So Who's the first one on the list? Josh. Well, I was talking about Bellinger, so I might as well just keep going with that. So, All yeah, right. of course. MVP Bellinger. Okay. One of the – yeah, one like one of the, the first MVPs for the Dodgers in a long time. Uh, actually, not a long time, since, since, since Kershaw. Kershaw, yeah, yeah, 2014. But as a hitter, it's been a long time. So, Bellinger's – I think it's it's within memories so that everyone remembers, but Duke Bellinger during 2019 was a 
an absolute monster. Until towards the end of the season and playoffs. Right. So until his slump, he was hitting 340. Almost uh, almost one point like one point one zero zero like OPS, right? Which is ridiculous. And it's like people are like, oh, is it gonna be Christian Yelich? Is it gonna be Bellinger? It's like no, because their numbers are the same, but dude, Bellinger had a two D war. His defense was on a different level from from Yelich. Yelich has no defense. Yelich has negative defense. And crazy thing is about Bellinger is he's not naturally a center fielder. He came up in the system as a first baseman, and they right. moved him out to outfield. He played right field and center field, and then this year he did play center field strictly because Mookie came to right field. But he that just shows he has a natural knack for baseball, especially as a fielder. And on top of that, the reason they it's funny because they moved him out to outfield because they didn't want him to pull the shoulder, like diving for balls at first base, but he ended up diving for balls at as an outfielder. And I'm sure it gave Dave Roberts a heart attack, an upper management a heart attack. But that's part of what makes him so great. He doesn't care, but just wants to get the job done. And yeah. Yeah, so like that whole season was just everything about Bellinger just went up. His swing looked so good. Why did he change it? I don't understand. His swing looks so good. He hit the, like if you do a side by side from his 2018 to his swing to his 2019 swing, his 2019 swing is particularly like it's a bit slower in the fact that the bat the barrel stays in the zone longer, right? And because he's so naturally strong, if it makes any kind of contact and he pulls it the right way, it's a base hit. If he if it if it hits a sweet spot on the bat, it's a home run, like like no one's business. So that season, right? His, on top of that, his strikeout right his strikeout rate it cut by a third, which was insane. Like who does that? Yep, and then he changed his swing this year. Yeah, and then it was trash. Yep, but thankfully but, he hit that home run in game seven. Yeah, so I guess that's that's all right. But yeah, that season, like I know there's a lot of people who are like. There are, there are those who say that Yelich got robbed of back-to-back MVPs. Like, no. No, definitely not. Dude, okay. Did you know that Cody Bellinger's April 2019 was the best opening month OPS by any player who had a minimum of 125 plate appearances? Yeah. In the last 100-plus years. Basically led, ever. He led the MLB in, like, every offensive category. For like 1.397 OPS in April. 1.397. And he hit 400, like, into what? Like, July? That's insane. Yeah, so, man, haters need to shut up, dude. Bellinger during that season was un- unreal. And we're not going to talk about what happened in the postseason, okay? The regular season, Bellinger was insane. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned the whole shoulder thing. is because he just got surgery for it a couple days ago. Yep. So and apparently this old, the surgery went well. He'll be back for spring training, though. Yeah. You know what, dude? Oh, my God. Change, fix it. Just bring back the swing. Bring back 2019 swing. Why did you change the swing? It looks so much shorter. Yeah. <laughs> because the problem with Bellinger's swing is that, like, he, he starts from such a high place, and then, like, it, it's very difficult for him to hit inside balls because of it, you know, which is how it's they true. attack him. It's true. So. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I'm not a hitting coach or anything. Just fix it, fix it, dude. All right. Moving on. 
the next person I wanted to talk about was Matt Kemp. 2011 Matt Kemp, throwback. 2011 MVP Matt Kemp. We're not gonna we're not gonna say that he's runner up. <laughs> yeah, he got robbed, bro. Dude, by a freaking cheater. So, man, his numbers are crazy. I'm just looking at it right now. So he won. He was an All Star, won Gold Glove, won Silver Slugger, and should have won MVP. He had 353 total bases. 986 OPS, basically a 400 OBP, 126 RBIs, 39 homers, 115 runs, 33 doubles, 40 stolen bases. Almost had a 40-40 season. Almost had a 40-40 season, and that was what everyone was looking for. And, yeah, his batting average was 324. Basically, any, everything you could have asked for in a hitter. He produced for you. And then on top of that, he was a great base runner. So I don't know. It's I don't think there's a real contest as to who can belong here. Right. And this is this is way before the the days of fat camp. Okay. This was MVP camp. Because you know, I think I feel like a lot of um if you're a newer Dodger fan and you think of Matt Camp, you'll think of his twenty his 2018 stint where he did okay. Just imagine that stint, but he was faster. He was stronger. Right. And, oh man, ah, I missed, I miss Matt Kemp. I miss that Matt Kemp. But then he started getting fat. He started getting injured and yeah, it just didn't work out. For sure. He was also uh, the last max contract person we ever signed under that was and that was under under Ned Coletti. Uh, Nick Coletti, yeah, Ned Coletti. But you know what I will say is, he is one of the players that I wish won a World Series with the Dodgers. Mm. Yeah, I, the fact that we weren't able to win with him in 2018 was so sad, so sad. No, that didn't bother me because I didn't have any hope. You know what bothered me was Andre Ethier not getting a World Series in 2017. That was worse. But the yeah. thing is, 2018, I know you say that we didn't deserve it. And I totally agree. But the Dodger way is to give you some sliver of hope only for it to be taken away. We were up, like, what, 4-0 in game four, going into, like, the seventh, and then we lost that game. If we yeah. won that game, we would have tied it 2-2, and you don't know what would have happened. Yeah, we should have listened to Trump. Said kept him in. We didn't. <laughs> But yeah, I miss uh, I'm, that. That was a that was a good season for for Kemp and man. Um, not much to say there. If you you're, if you're if you were a Dodger fan back then, you remember how Kemp was just. Not only was he like number wise good, but he was clutch. I had a ton of walk off homers that season. Dude, I know. So I was watching a video recently of. Like all the Dodger walk-off homers from this past decade, Kemp is like yeah. half that video. <laughs> Him and um, Andre Ethier were just the clutch outfielder hitters. Yeah, what a time! Yeah, Andre Ethier, he might come up in the you know the two thousands, two thousand tens episode. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? All right. Well, 
last present the last person last outfielder and this is a little controversial but i'm gonna stand by it i made the list you fight me it's um it's yasiel puig and it's puig's first season his rookie season do you remember when puig i don't know if you remember but when puig no, first i do came, remember you do remember right his first month with the Dodgers was ridiculous. No, it was basically like Manny Ramirez-esque. He was a god in his first, like not, not, not being like, like heresy, but he was a god in his first month with the Dodgers. What was crazy was he turned that, I believe he turned that season around for us, like single-handedly. Because at that point, like we were not, we did not have a strong clutch on the division. We might have actually been behind in the division race. But, like, he came onto the scene because of injuries. They called him up, too, because nothing to lose. And he produced, like, crazy. And then we started just winning games because of him. Like, because of his arm, because of his fielding, because of his hitting and base running. Yeah, so I, I totally agree. Yeah. 2013, like people, I think the only argument people can have is he wasn't a big sample size in terms of like compared to other seasons. He played only 104 games, yeah. but I mean, he got 15th in MVP voting and he got second rookie of the year, even after only playing 104 games. You, you know what's crazy about that season with Puig? And this is the reason why I put him in was like, again, that month of June where he came up was ridiculous, right? He hit four, he hit fourth. 36 that whole month he hit he had a 467 on base percentage with a 713 slugging that means his his ops was was 11 1180 and because of that remember he remember he started in june okay that's when he got called up he made the all-star team yeah that means he, he received 15 million votes in one month because of that performance He's he crazy. was the funnest guy, the most fun person to watch in baseball at that time. I agree. The wild so, horse. No regrets putting him on this list. He was a beast. On top of that, like it is, it is a disgusting dishonor that Puig has not won a Golden Glove. Yeah, he should have at least won it last uh, two years ago. He should have at least ago. won one. But I think you said this, where you say that we doesn't have chances to have defensive putouts. Yep. Because they know they know how good he is. They're never gonna no, run on him. No one runs Statistically, on him. it's not gonna be backed up, but yeah, it's a shame that he doesn't have one yet. Yeah. Puig has the range. Uh, not as much as Bellinger, but he does have the range. He does have the, the fielding IQ. He, he has, has a arm. throw, the he cannon. That's all he needs at right field. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just sad that he hasn't won a a golden glove. And whenever I think of why he doesn't win a golden glove, I think of that time where Brandon Phillips hit a double to Puig and he decided he wanted to go for three, but then he stopped at second base and he looked at Puig and he like he like gave him the, the bow like like gesture because he's like, Yeah, I'm not gonna run on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if, if there's a way to calculate, like, people who don't run because of their fear, 
because you can't calculate fear. It's Puig is one of the guys. Definitely. And he just gives you max effort, you know? Like, he does some bone-handed stuff once in a while, but, like, you can't knock him that he never doesn't give it all that he's got. Like, yeah. he's the type of guy who's going to run out, like, what should have been a double into a triple. And, you know, stuff, little things like that. Um, Puig, so. Puig's aggressiveness is very annoying sometimes, but you can't say that he's not fun to watch, even when he tries to steal home and it doesn't work. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll be like, what the heck are you doing, Puig? But I'll, I'll smile while I'm saying it. Like, I won't be mad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you know, I was actually thinking about um, this was so during, during the offseason, and I'm making some, try, I'm trying to make some predictions to see who we're going to sign and who we're not going to resign. But I've been trying to see if there's a plan to work to make Puig a Dodger again. Dude, it's not possible. It's it's not only is it gonna be hard because of the outfield and it's too crowded. Our DH and the Bellinger, DH Bellinger and Mookie being there already, too crowded, man. We have Pollock, who's still who's actually defensively he posted positive ratings this season, so Pollock is still taking the left field and yeah, like and the DH isn't possible with Puig, so it's just it's just a really sad situation to know that we don't also we don't have the money to sign Puig, and yeah. I just want to see Puig in a Dodger uniform, but I just want to see him in any uniform. I'm sad he didn't play this year. No, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. He was going to join the Braves. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it, it might have. It actually might have been a game changer. I don't know, but who knows? Yeah. Put her up. So those are all the uh, outfielders. Outfielders. Those are all the hitters and position players that we have. Um, now we're going to be going into who we think are the best, the three best starting pitchers and three best relievers of the decade. And we're starting with starting pitchers. And of course, like who else are we going to put on this list? But our boy, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw started his career in 2008, but the 2010s was prime Kershaw, right? Chef's kiss, baby. French kiss. Yeah, we get one every one. every <laughs> every podcast. That's gross. I'm gonna use it this time. 2010s Kershaw, three-time Cy Young winner, one-time MVP, triple crown winner Kershaw. Dude, can you think of also anybody? through one of the best no hitters in history? Stupid Hanley Ramirez. Dude, stupid Hanley Ramirez, man. I almost put him on this list too, but I couldn't get over that defensive play. All right. Well, Let's go through the list first. So, Clayton Kershaw is the first pitcher. Who are the other pitchers on the list? So, the other pitchers that we have are Zach Greinke, who, in my opinion, got snubbed of, an, of a Cy Young award to Jake Arrieta. And we have um, Shenjin Ryu, who had a great 2019. And remember, these we're not doing these by... Oh, we should have prefaced this by saying we're not doing this by um, overall tenure with the Dodgers. We're doing individual seasons of greatness with the Dodgers. That being said, though, Kershaw is on any major league's all-time decade list, even all-time list, maybe. But for the sake of this uh, podcast, we're going to look at his 2014. Uh, 2014, and I've, I've written about this, too. If you want to go and check out my Kershaw breakdown on Piazza Delivery Boys, or PiazzaBoys.com, it's one of the first articles we posted, but Kershaw led 
almost every pitcher's category in 2014. He led the league in wins, ERA, complete games, um, ERA plus, which is adjusted ERA, whip, uh, whip and strikeouts per 10, and strikeouts, uh, strikeouts to walks. Not only that, bro, he has the best ERA of any pitcher who has pitched in the dead ball era. Right. Sub on 2. top 20. of that, on top of that, best ER adjusted ERA. So you know how there's different eras in baseball. Accounting for all of that, he has the best ERA out of anyone who's ever pitched in this game. Yeah. So to no no one should disrespect Kershaw. Kershaw and he is, should have he should have four Cy Youngs, by the way, because R.A. Dickey did not deserve it over Kershaw. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't know. Ari Dickey has a soft spot in my heart. No, 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 no. Kershaw deserved it that year. I like sure. Ari Dickey. You're you're blaspheming right now. Anyway, continue. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, I think Kershaw should have won too, but there's some dude, knuckleballers. Anyways, so that season was just crazy. That was the that was when that was the season where Kershaw used his slider like all the time. On top of that, that's when he threw his only no-hitter which should have been a perfect game, but we've talked about that already. It was a, a perfect no-hitter. Four, 14 strikeouts, I think? Maybe 15. Was it 15? 15 strikeouts against the Rockies. Good. And, yeah, that, that season was just unreal. That was, that was Kershaw literally carrying that team on his back to the playoffs or postseason. Because the four, 2014 Dodgers, like, they were okay, but, like, that was Kershaw's team. And there was, a, there was a quote that I actually found about that AJ Ellis said about Kershaw recently. Not recently, but he said it. And it was, it was addressing the fact that people called – it was about Kershaw's postseason woes, you know, and his current woes in how he's degrading as a, play, as a pitcher. And he said – yeah, if you keep carrying this, like if you keep carrying people on your back, it's gonna break one day. And yeah, Kershaw's back is breaking. Luckily, the team around him is finally pulling their weight. But during those early two thousand tens, that was Kershaw's team. Hundred percent, that was Kershaw's team. Yeah, and Don Mattingly didn't know how to use him properly. He would just leave him in to pitch like entire games, which is part of why Kershaw's legacy, I think, has been cemented because. He pitched the amount of innings that he did. He was a workhorse, and he was able to be counted upon to rest the bullpen. But there were situations where I think Don Mattingly definitely left him in way too long. Like, I went to a game where Kershaw pitched against the Giants in, like, the thick of the NL division, West Division race. He hit 15 strikeouts, um, and we won the game. But he pitched a complete game, or maybe, no, he pitched, I think, like, into the ninth inning. Um and he pitched like 120-something pitches in a regular season game. And I'm like, this is fun to watch in person, but thinking about what we need to prepare for in the playoffs, I don't know if this is worth it. So yeah. that could have also contributed to, you know, Kershaw's like injuries in the past couple of years with his, like his back and like disc issues. So, you know, just food for thought. But Yeah, and, and if you think about it too, like I was thinking about this recently, that Kershaw – his injuries and his, his, his like slowdown is very similar to Felix Hernandez, you know, the King. 
Um, like, dude, Felix had to carry that team on his back too, but his back broke a lot earlier than Kershaw's. And, you know, so it's not fair to anybody who is a Kershaw hater and, like, who thinks he's a choke artist to say that, oh, like, he look how much he chokes. It's like, yeah, but look, it's like looking at, it's like seeing a, a, like a, a Ferrari like a, or like a $1 million car, looking at one scratch and then saying that the car sucks because of that one scratch, you know? That, that's how I feel about Kershaw. Like, I'll, Kershaw will always be on my Mount Rushmore of the all-time pitchers, like, of, of all time, the greatest pitchers of all time. Not just from the Dodgers, but in, you know, in MLB history. Totally agree. And in addition to that, I think most people who criticize him, like, whether it's, like, writers or fans, they don't understand what it takes to be an elite athlete at that level. Like, how much work you have to put in in the gym and to, like, train, like, physically, like, strength train. And if you think about Kershaw's career, like he has so many like postseason appearances because the Dodgers have just been able to make it. Whereas like majority of pitchers, they don't make postseason, make deep postseason runs like that consistently. And so that just means he has to pitch more than anyone else every season. And especially like earlier in the 2010s, he would pitch on short rest. He would pitch as relief um, in the playoffs. And so like that takes a toll on your body. And people don't understand that you pitching in like October or September is not the same as pitching in like April or May. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand. Right. And on top of that too, it's the greater that you are as a player, the more criticism you're going to get, obviously, you know, LeBron James gets a lot of criticism, even though he's, you know, the current goat of this generation. And like I can think of a ton of other pitchers who are great regular season pitchers who suck in the postseason. The most recent is Tyler Glass now. He imploded in the postseason, but no one gives him the same criticism that Kershaw gets. You know, whenever Jacob Degrom ever goes into the postseason and he implodes, like no one's going to talk about that. You know, but because Kershaw is one of the all time greats, the fans are going to jeer not cheer jeer a lot louder yeah and on top of that sorry my mouth is full but he played against cheaters in 2017 and 2018 in the playoffs just saying oh yeah so cheaters dude all right but that's enough for kershaw we can we can we can i can i can do a whole podcast just talking about kershaw and how much i love him but we're going to keep moving for the sake of the rest of the, the roster because the next one from this generation is Zach Greinke, who was a Dodger for three years. Another big acquisition by the Ned Coletti Dodgers. Um, one that I actually agree with because Greinke's time with the Dodgers was so good. This was the time around this was around the era where the Dodgers starting pitching was one of the best in the league. You had Kershaw, you had Granke. Uh we just signed Ryu around that time. And Maeda came to the States too. So it was so good for a starting rotation. And but to look specifically, we're gonna look at the hold on. 
We're going to look at the 2015 season of Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke, he almost, almost had a triple crown. He lost the wins category to Jake Arrieta, who was eventually the, the Cy Young winner. But he led the league in whip. He led the league in ERA. You know, and actually, no, he didn't win a strikeout. So I guess he didn't win the triple crown. But yeah, that was that was the season where or Granke came out as the actual actually the better pitcher than Kershaw. Not 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 saying that Kershaw was bad that season. Just that Granke was just so utterly dominant. Um, he. Even though he gave up a good amount of hits, he gave up six hits per nine, which is a little bit high. He stranded a ton of runners. His curveball was just on point that season. Um, on top of that, dude, he, dude, Granky is such a good hitter. It's that, and then also he's just a great fielder too. He's won like, I think like six Gold Gloves. Six, yes, he won six Gold Gloves. And he, what, he has, like, two silver sluggers? Yes, two silver sluggers. What a beast. He's a good – he's a great guy, and he's a weird guy. He's one yeah. of the guys on the, the – he's one of the guys in the, the, the Astros who I actually don't hate. Because he's a, he's a fun guy. <laughs> yeah, he got a lot of flack for that, actually, in the beginning of his career. But people yeah. realize it's just how he is, and – Socially awkward and shy. But, yeah, people like him now, so good for him. Yeah, his career is slowly on the decline, though, recently, because of his age. It's catching up to him. No, it's just because uh, he he's playing for the Astros. He just started, he just started his career hecka early, 2004. And when he, when he did, he was, he was older than Kershaw at that point. But. And in addition to that, it's because he played for the, the Diamondbacks afterwards. Like, they, they get lit up by the Dodgers. So, yeah, and Kurt and Granky does not do well against the Dodgers. <laughs> not <laughs> in at general, all. So. Not at all. But you know, during like I still remember those those times with Granky very fondly. Uh, Granky is just, dude. Granky's just I just, I like Granky. I wish Granky didn't opt out of his contract. To be honest, I wish if he was a Dodger because he would have been a Dodger all the way up to 2018 if he didn't opt out. Like yeah, think of a hard but, bitter, think of how good team our team would have been. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone would have made a different decision. Yeah, like it was, it was the right choice for him to opt out. But for anyone, yeah, yeah. he has that does, money. That doesn't mean that twenty we take away from his 2015. 2015 was his utter dominance from him. Yeah, let the league, let the whole MLB in ERA, win percentage, um, and WHIP. So. Cubs were just the feel-good story of the year, and that's why Arietta got the Cy Young. Yeah, and Jake Arietta sucks now, so you know it balances out. Yep, Jake Arietta is an overpaid piece of trash. All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hyunjin Ryu, what a beast! <laughs> His twenty nineteen, I don't know. His twenty nineteen like Cy Young campaign was I know his all his numbers shouted dominance right but it, it when you look at him pitch it didn't look very dominant do you know what I mean 2019 yeah no nah, it looked pretty good though because 
I think it was because he invoked a lot of contact. He'd strike out a lot. But it was you know? a lot of weak contact. And he just knows, like, I think that just shows the type of pitcher he is, like, Maddox-esque. Like, location and induce weak contact. Like, he did throw a, Maddox, too. He did. And, like, the way that he pitches is not, like, modern day where you just try to blow by guys with high velocity. Because his fastball tops out at like 89, between 89 to like 91, if anything. But it's the fact that there's a speed differential between his fastball and his changeup and his curveball. And he, he's such a cerebral pitcher that he mixes it up so well that like batters don't know how to get around him. And to me, like, yeah, if you're watching as maybe like a spectator who's not familiar with baseball, like, it might seem like he's not dominant because he's not, you know, striking guys out left and right. But if you see him over the course of an entire game, you never feel like he's not in control. And to me, I thought that was a form of dominance that we're not used to seeing nowadays. But I honestly felt more comfortable with him pitching last year than Kershaw. Um, because Kershaw, like, as good as he is, like, to be honest, like, he is on the decline. He's still a good pitcher. But he gave up a lot of home run balls. But like Ryu, you can count on to like keep the lead and not like give up like that random home run ball as much as Kershaw. Yeah, and I think another thing that we didn't talk about enough about Ryu's Cy Young thing is his two point five percent walk rate. Yes, yes. He never walked anybody. If you saw him walk, it means it's like, what the heck just happened? You know? Yep. Like, and there was a really funny article that came out during his whole uh, sign on campaign where he said, like, they asked him, like, like, what do you think is the key to your, like, the, the reason why you're not walking? And he said, when I was growing up in elementary school, um, my coach would say, it's better to give up homers than to walk somebody. <laughs> I'm like, huh. I respect that. And it definitely showed, dude. He led Major League easily with walks per nine. With a 2.5 walk percentage, dude. His control that season was just, like, otherworldly. Pretty insane. Pretty insane. Yeah. But he's with the, he's with the, the Blue Jays now. Yo, he's, the, he's the real goat of Dodgers, though. I'll tell you why. He brought Choco Pie and Soju to Dodger Stadium. And, oh, dude, Soju. But, yeah. Overpriced Soju to Dodger Stadium. Dude, a choco pie, one choco pie went for $5. Dude, they're not even, like, they're not even a dollar in the packs. (laughs) I know. They're, like, 60 cents. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Just bring your own choco pies. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just bring it and sell it, undercut the market. That can get you kicked out of the stadium. <laughs> That's why you do it under the table, yo. Just kidding. Hey, man. All right, on. all right. Go buy this choco pie. But, yeah, Ryu's with the Blue Jays now. He's having a good season, uh, good career. We couldn't afford to keep him for sure. So, Yeah, and good for him. He had a pretty decent season this year. Um, and it just sucks that he got shipped to Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I wish him the best, though. You know, that's Korea. Yeah. Kamingu. <laughs> amen, amen. All right, let's uh, move on. Let's move it on to right. the relievers. Yes. Should we get the, the easy one out of the way or should we get the, the, the curveball 
let's get the curveballs out of the way. So right. the first one that's on the list is Brandon, not Lee, Brandon Morrow. Dude, don't even talk about Brandon Lee on this all-time list. I didn't. I didn't. I that guy was Basura. I said it's not him, bro. All right, Brandon League, 2017 season. I he said Brandon League. Him. Oh, Brandon Morrow. I feel bad for him because he had an amazing season with us. He pitched 43 innings, 2.06 ERA, six wins, no losses, pitched in 45 games, and he. Struck out 50, walked nine. Never gave up a home run. Never gave up a home run. And the thing is, yeah, he was just like the best setup man to Jansen, I think. Even up to this day, I, I, I'm convinced that he is the best setup man to Jansen that we've had. By in, far. Yeah, in Jansen's prime. And the reason why I feel sorry for him is because I think he legit threw out his arm pitching for us that season. Like he got his big contract with the Cubs afterwards. Um, but he just isn't the same. He's been injured. He's been injured. And so, He's been released. <laughs> yeah, he got injured and then he got released. Um, so I do feel bad because I feel like the Dodgers did put him on that big stage where people can see him. But that guy threw heat, man. Like you know what's you know what was sad was that his he he threw thirty five games with the Cubs before he his permanent injury. During that time, he looked so good. He did. He, he proved that on the Dodger while he was on the Dodgers, he would have been a closer on any other team because he he had a one point four seven ERA. He ha- he converted twenty two out of twenty two save opportunities, yeah. but. It just never worked out because his arms blew up. Yeah. And he just had this funky delivery. It was, yeah. When he came in with, and we had a lead, we were like, okay, we're going to get through the eighth and get to the ninth. Like, that's how sure we were. Yeah. Like, he never, he never blew it. And for an entire season, basically. Um, so, including postseason, too. He blew a which, lead. He blew one. But, he blew against the cheaters. Exactly. So it doesn't count. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Also, uh, Brandon, Brandon Morrow is one of two players, two pitchers to ever pitch all seven games of a World Series. I did not know that. Who's the but, other one? Uh, I, I'll, I'll let you know right now. But I also attribute that to being a reason why his arm blew out. I can see that. He was basically our native Aldi. Yeah, but that's actually that was actually what I was gonna talk about because like, or I said what we should have done with Blake Trinan because Blake Trinan was on a one year contract. Like, dude, let's just let's just have him um, pitch all pitch seven every games. game. Yeah, pitch every game. <laughs> Get the most. Too bad out of that, it didn't. Too bad it didn't go all seven. Yeah, but you know what? It worked out. He won a ring, and Brandon Morrow should have won a ring, but it's all right. Yeah, right. uh, I don't know. You don't know who the other pitchers are? Yeah, I'm looking it up, and it just says... Uh, it, it just says... It doesn't give me a name. It just says the second pitcher. Okay. 
All right, but let's go on to the other curveball, the not obvious reliever that we have, and that's Hong Chi Kuo. Dude, Hong Chi Kuo. Y'all forgot about him, huh? <laughs> Y'all must have forgot. Yeah, Hong Chi Kuo was, before his injuries, was so good. Um, he was the first Taiwanese pitch player, I believe, to be signed for the Dodgers. Or in general, one of the first Taiwanese players to be to play, and he didn't he really strictly for the Dodgers too, right? Yeah, because he he played on minor league teams, but because his arm blew out with the Dodgers, no one wanted him. I see. Yeah, but his 2010 season was ridiculously good, and the reason was because that was the season where Jonathan Broxton was injured, or he did really bad as a closer. I hate Jonathan Broxton. He's not on this list, by the way, but uh, Jonathan Broxton was injured as a closer, and so Hong Chi Kuo was, became their new closer. And he was so good as a closer. He posted yeah. a 1.20 ERA, which is the lowest of any Dodger pitcher in history with a minimum of 50 innings. He only gave up, I believe, one home run during that stint in 50 games. Correct. Yep. He converted 12 out of 13 save opportunities, so he was clutch. And he was an all-star. Posted a 0.783 whip. Yo, that's crazy. Also, he had – he gave up – he had 11 strikeouts for every nine innings. Yeah, which is stupid high. And, yeah, it – that was that was also sad because that was his last great season. Yeah, he the next season he got season. lit up. He had nine yeah. a 9.0 ERA. Which I think he had a shoulder injury the season after. But but the thing is, he still struck guys out. Um, he had 12 strikeouts per nine. When he first came onto the Dodgers as a rookie in 20 when he was 23 years old in 2005, he had 17 strikeouts for every nine. Just blow by. Yeah, so he had great stuff. But, you know, a lot of Asian pitchers who come to the Dodgers, they just don't last very long, which kind of yeah. – not, not the Dodgers, sorry. In general with the MLB, they don't last very long. And the ones who do are great pitchers. Um, so, Hong Chi Kuo had a very short career with the Dodgers, but he, I think he became – he was the only Taiwanese uh, player to ever make the All-Star game. So, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. Good show. All, All right. right. Moving on to the last one. All right. We got Jonathan Broxton. No, no, Heck no. No, 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 no. no. Don't say that. Dude, we got, You're trolling people now. We got the all-time Dodger saves leader. And I know a lot of people who a lot of people don't like him, but it's Kenley Jansen. <laughs> I like but him. But Kenley, Kenley during 2017, dude, don't forget about 2017 Kenley Fournier, okay? He was the all-time saves. He was not. not he was. He set this this record for the most saves in a dog in a season for the Dodgers. He led the league. He won Reliever of the Year, uh, for for as a closer. One point three two ERA. Barely gave up any home runs that season. It barely blew any any uh, saves that season. And you know the thing is, with 2017, 
he could have gotten more seasons if the Dodgers didn't somehow train through all their opponents in the second half. Yeah. So, okay, answer me this. Is Kenny Jansen going to be a Hall of Famer? Depends how long his career goes. So Kenny started his career pretty late. That's a problem. Yeah, but he was so dominant, bro. But his dominance didn't come until his until the middle of his career, which is the problem. Um, when you think of all-time great relievers, like you want to compare him to like Mo, right? Mariano Rivera. Rivera started off as a as a dominant reliever, like right off the bat, and his dominance like lasted lasted for like twenty years, basically. Yeah, literally twenty years. Jansen might Jansen might have another like three years at best. Yeah, you know? I agree. So, because if you want to say is Kenley Jansen a Hall of Famer, you got to ask is Eric Garnier a Hall of Famer? Yes. Okay. Well, that that then there you go. Because <laughs> I don't think I don't think Eric Garnier is a Hall of Famer. Okay, yeah, I'm with you there, but still, he game over, man. How do you, how, dude? When he came in, it was literally game over. Oh yeah, that was that, that was... season, man. Not last season. <laughs> No, not last season, but I'm saying that season. Oh, yeah, that season, yeah. Until we got to the World Series with the Cheaters, but until we got to that point, he was unreal. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but... Um, The reason I ask is because that's how dominant he was in that stretch between, especially between 2016 to 2018. Uh, He just... Yeah, three straight All Star appearances. He even got MVP votes in 2017. He even got thing, fifth in Cy Young Award voting too. But it, it all went downhill because of his heart problem, which isn't yeah. his fault. So it's not. like people, the people who be like the Dodger fans who be like, "Oh, Kenley should not be the closer anymore." It's like I might agree with you, but it's not his fault that he's bad now. It's an un. It, it's it's an what is it? What's that word I'm looking for? Unavoidable, like, circumstance. Unfortunate circumstance that happened to him, you know? It's yeah. not like, and oh, I, give him. Yeah. If anything, we should give him credit. He still kept playing. He still kept trying to get back on track. And I think one of the things that we get frustrated with Kenley is he's so stubborn. Like, he'll still try to rely on just his cutter when it's clearly not working. And yet, I think that's part of what makes him so great. Like, He's willing to still stick to what he knows has worked before, which, you know, is pros and cons, but I think that just shows a competitive side of who he is. Yeah. Um, and without that, he would not have been great as he was in 2016 to 2018. Yeah. And we have one more year with Kenley before his contract expires. I don't see us resigning him, unfortunately. Yeah, me neither. But the time that we had with Kenley, it's legendary, especially because now he's a World Series champ. And I think it says a lot when Kenley understood that Urias finished game six instead of him. Yeah, and also game seven of NLCS. Oh, yeah, and game seven. So, you know, no, no, like, and the thing is, too, is no one deserves death threats. We'll say this again. No one's family deserves death threats because you're the one that said the Astros do, though, because they did something that they had control over. 
Jensen could, did not have control over this. I guess. So. And I also said only the Astros themselves, not their families. <laughs> Jensen's because right. Jensen's family's like his extended family got death threats. That's not cool, man. Yeah. Like no one's grandma should say, "Hey, your grandson messed up this game for me, so I'm gonna bother you." It's like, dude, come on now, grow up. Yep. But yeah, Jansen, all-time reliever. Of course, he's gonna be on this list. Then, uh, if the, if next season is if we trade him next season, or if next season's the if we go out to go through the season with them, and you know it ends it ends there, then it was one heck of a ride. Yeah, and one thing to note though, even though some of these positions were very clear in terms of peak season if we did tenure man like we are loaded with talent and so yeah like jock peterson's not on this list um chris taylor chris taylor's not on this list um austin barnes's breakout season yeah he's not on this list uh who else who was our um You know, Jonathan Broxton's not on this list. Yeah. But we have a lot of... Dude, don't even stop. Don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, it just shows us a lot of talent. And I'm glad that we can recognize this talent because I don't think there's going to be a lot of talent when we go back to the 2000s. Oh, Manny Machado's not on this list either. We don't count Manny Machado. He <laughs> <laughs> went for half a season, he was trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 enjoy this because I don't think it's gonna be this fond when we look at the 2010, 2000, 2010. Dude, I'm ready for some Jeff Kent, bro. I am too, but that's as far as my excitement goes. Chad Billingsley. Hey, stop spoiling for next week. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Piazza Delivery Boys. And don't forget to visit us at piazzaboys.com for Dodger news, recaps, and rumors. Have a wonderful day, and go Dodgers! Like another perfect day. I love it.